Already this morning, since my phone alarm woke me up, I have removed the plastic uh, protective guard on my razor. I have put on my wrinkle-resistant shirt. I have put on my anti-fade denim jeans, slipped on my anti-slip-soled shoes. I have uh, disabled, uh, deactivated the anti-theft deterrent system on my truck and as I cranked it up this morning I surveyed the gauges on the dash to find that I was running low on gas and so with the backup sensor I found myself moving out of the driveway and propelling myself down the road towards the gas station and as I used the anti-lock brake system in my vehicle I pulled into the the fueling station to refuel my truck with the uh, auto shutoff nozzle and then as I left there uh, with the auto debit functionality on my debit card, I then moved on to Starbucks to pick up my, get this, my quad shot blonde Americano <laughs> with the spill proof lid. And as I left there, I made my way to the church this morning just before the photo sensors deactivated the parking lot lights this morning. Whether we realize it or not, we live, in we live in a world with lives that are inundated by preventative care. There are so many things about life that whether we acknowledge it and realize it or not, great effort and attention is given toward preventative care. And, and preventative care is that, that action or that system that exists. And, and, and consists of actions that are taken before they're actually needed in order to remove the threat of a problem that hasn't yet happened. Actions that are taken before they're needed to remove the threat of a problem that hasn't yet happened. And preventative care is such a dominant presence in the lives that we live day in, day out, that many of us do not even recognize it. And I'm convinced that preventative care is such a part of who we are as a people in society today because it's cheaper with, to handle preventative care than reactive care. It's so much financially more affordable to refuel your vehicle instead of having your vehicle towed when it's parked on the side of the road when it's run completely out of fuel. It's so much cheaper emotionally to invest in and maintain relational bridges than it is to pick up the pieces and rebuild new ones after they have crumbled. Preventative care is a gift to us in the lives that we live for problem avoidance, threat dissolution. And it invades every area of our lives. And if we can look at it from the spiritual realm this morning, preventative care gifts us a great opportunity to walk a lifestyle in victory. Amen? Amen. Preventative care is a gift that has been entrusted to us to avoid things that are destructive and divisive in the lives that we live. And it doesn't take much exposure to today's news outlets to realize and understand that this increasingly dark world around us poses many 
tremendous destructive threats to the church. The world we live in is increasingly threatening to the gathering of God's people. But this morning, Shannon Oaks Church, I want you to understand and realize with me that the greatest threat that faces the church today is not something beyond our walls, but rather something within our hearts. When we can understand and agree with God that the most destructive force, the most uh, imminent threat to the local church is not something that's a part of something swelling in our society out there, but something that we are fostering inside our hearts in here. And God has gifted the church with a foundation of preventative care so that we can see the relationships that comprise the local church because he knows that the threats from the enemy are real. In fact, it was Jesus himself who told us in John chapter 10, verse 10, that there is an enemy who comes to steal, to kill and destroy But he is not flesh and blood, as Paul reiterates in Ephesians chapter 6. But there is a roaring lion, as Peter puts it in 1 Peter chapter 5, who is prowling around looking for someone to devour. And one of the greatest things that we can do as the local church, as the body of Christ, is to guard against, is to take preventative care measures to see that these Threats do not impede or paralyze the local church in the journey of maturing in the image of Christ. To see that the threats that are closing in around us do not cause the threat that is swelling up within us to divide and surrender to the kingdom of darkness around us on this earth. In other words... The greatest thing that we can do as a local church is not undo practically what Christ has done for us physically and spiritually. Or to ignore the victory and the completeness of what Christ has accomplished in the heavenly realms. In Shannon Oaks Church, it is from this foundation that we have collectively, over the last few months, extracted and declared with almost unanimity in the body of Shenandoah Church that one of our greatest working values is the value of unity. We value unity among our people of all ages and stages in life, races and economic backgrounds, because we are stronger in the Lord when we come together as one in Jesus Christ. Shannon for 16 years and then some, we have existed together as a non-denominational church, which means and guarantees as we come together, we wrap our arms around each other in spite of the diversity of our religious heritage and our theological doctrine. And we have affirmed The reality and desire of working value of unity 
So much so that you guys have unanimously declared that we are a family with a contagious sense of community. And when Luke records the account of the apostles in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, verse 44, he says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. The all things that they had in common doesn't mean that they were uniform in their appearance or in their personality or in their beliefs or in their background and where they came from. The all things that they had in common acknowledged that they had many things that were different, but what they had in common was everything. In other words, it didn't quantify how many things they had in common, but it qualified the significance of the thing that they did have in common, which was the, the, the perfect atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ poured out for them, having been saved by grace through faith. And you, Shannon Oaks Church, your voice has echoed tones of the same reality among us. That though we are not uniform, we can still be united. That though there is great diversity, that God's presence among us brings tremendous strength, purpose, and passion as we gather together. Over and over and over again, Shannon Oaks, you have spoken to the reality and the desire for more of intentional relationships and the fullness of inclusion and connection. And this morning, I want to ask you to look with me in Ephesians chapter 2 at a passage that the Apostle Paul communicates to this church who was much like us in a world where around them it was growing increasingly dark. There were tremendous threats around the church in Ephesus that, that promised destruction for them in the gatherings. It, it, it Im, impendingly brought doom and division for them as they gathered because there was a kingdom around them that wanted to imp, uh, impede the progress through them. In Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 11, the Apostle Paul says this, Therefore, in light of the reality that you have been saved by grace through faith, therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth are called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, Excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. Without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity and out of, out of two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, 
You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. The context here that Paul is addressing is the reunification and the reconciliation of a group of people who have been called and chosen by God since the beginning, the Jewish people, and a group of people whom Jesus has opened the gates for that have never been allowed the opportunity to claim uh, chosenness and selection by God, the Gentiles. And throughout the pages and the course of Scripture, you see that God's favor and his strength and his blessing was first and foremost for the Jewish people. To the degree that at times and along the way, God would himself in a spiritually miraculous way defeat and overcome the very Gentile people that, that were foreigners in that land. So that the Jewish people could more fully walk in. The chosenness and selection of favor that comes from God. And here in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul is speaking to a church, one group of people that is comprised of these two previously hostile groups. And we see symptoms of disunity that echo things that we see in our lives every day. We see lies and deceit where there is disunity. Falsehoods. And, and half-truths about who someone is or what they have done. We see anger and hostility in a very real and tangible way manifesting itself in the presence of disunity. And we see the avoidance and the reluctance to engage relationship with people because of disunity. And Paul is here speaking to that very reality in the gathering of this diverse group of people. And he is pointing them to and calling them up into the fullness of unity for which they have been created. And as Paul begins to declare that message over them, he says, never stop remembering. Never stop remembering, diverse people, who you were and who you are. Never forget where you've come from. On the journey that is marked out for us, Unity says it is worth moving slower so that we can arrive together. Because it's more about our togetherness along the way as God leads us into the fullness of his promised land for us. And Paul is saying to this diverse church, he's saying not only should you never stop remembering who you've been and who you are now because of Jesus Christ. But he says, unity sounds a whole lot like what I see within you is greater than what I could ever have against you. Let me say that again, Shannon Oak Church, because that voice needs to speak from our hearts this morning as a diverse group of people who sometimes find ourselves tiptoeing the line of disunity among the presence and gathering of God's people. Unity says, because of what Jesus has done 
for all of us on the cross. It says, what I see within you, covered by the blood of Jesus, is greater than what I could ever have against you in the darkness of my heart. That is the voice of unity that I am calling forth, and I believe the Spirit is calling out among us today. The ultimate preventative care that we could ever receive in our lives. Uh, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2 that Christ himself put to death the hostility, the dividing wall between them. He killed the, the very tactic, the weapon that, the, that Satan was bringing for division and destruction among those two redeemed people of God. Paul says that enmity is gone. He makes two groups one. And this is how we know that it's God at work. Because the enemy comes to divide and destroy. Christ comes to unite and conquer. That has been his pattern since the beginning. God created Adam and he took Adam, one man, and he made two. And then he brought them back together as one flesh and said, be fruitful and multiply. And he made two and he brought them together as one. And so is God's plan for all of creation as humanity and his people is to take the two and make them one in the fullness of what God has done for us. Matthew chapter 19, verse 6, Jesus is talking to the religious leaders about the ins and the outs of what constitute and what does not constitute a marriage that is pleasing and honoring to God. And in this passage where Jesus is talking about marriage, he talks about how God has taken the two and made them one flesh. And then in 19, verse 6 of the book of Matthew, he says, let no man separate. What God has brought together. Can I just lean in this morning and tell you in Shenandoah Church that I believe that that principle can be extracted from the context of marriage and applied to unity in the family of God. Amen. Let no man divide. Let no man put asunder. Let no man come against what God has brought Together, And so we as the body of Christ today need to remember that true unity does not exist apart from Jesus Christ himself. Rejection of unity and God's design for community together is simply and utterly to reject Christ himself. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14, Paul says, for he himself is our peace. And when we put aside peace, we are saying to Jesus, what you did on the cross is not good enough for this division that I have between this brother or sister of mine. And when we reject peace, we reject Christ. When we reject Christ, we are putting aside all hope for unity because true unity does not exist apart from Christ. Colossians chapter 1 verse 17 Reminds us, as Paul is talking about Jesus, he says that he is before all things and in him all things hold together. There no church, can I tell you something? The very essence of our togetherness is built on and for unity. We cannot 
receive from God the fullness of what he has in store. Because as his word says, a house divided cannot stand. And so when we look at each other and when we relate to one another and we experience those things, whether it's at home or in the church or in some area of ministry, in your life group, with a brother that goes to another church in the, the workplace, Monday through Friday, wherever it is, as we encounter the body of Christ, those things that our flesh and the dark things in our heart want to elevate and build a wall of hostility, it's time for us as the church to look at that wall and say, crumble in the name of Jesus. It is time for us to look at the hostility among the church that belongs to God and say, in the name of God, you have been put to death. You cannot have any place here. The stronghold from the enemy does not belong here. And we get the opportunity to press in and receive the fullness of the measure for which we have been created. Because when we value unity, we honor, we exalt, and we lift up the sacrificial work of Christ on the cross. There is something about our protection of the very essence for which Jesus himself died. A, a death that did not belong to him is so that you and I could belong to him and with him. Not just bringing unity between us and God, but bringing unity between us and the rest of the family of God. We are his body. And on that cross, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, in the physical realm, exchanged a body of flesh for a body of spirit that he has poured out into and overflowing in each one of us. We are the body that Christ has exchanged. All of the sin, all of the hostility. All of the darkness and division and the tactics of the enemy for you are his prize. You are his beloved. And we have been called as the body of Christ to protect unity for his name.